Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds. Aaron Sagers here, and welcome to Small Talk, a mini-episode of the Talking Strange Paranormal Pop Culture Show. So, on Friday, July 28th, the new supernatural horror flick, Talk to Me, was released. It's distributed by A24, which has really gained a reputation for putting out very smart horror, really good films. Some would say elevated horror, but I personally kind of dislike that term. Uh, Talk to Me was also directed by twin brothers Danny and Michael Philippow of the Raka Raka YouTube channel. The film begins with conjuring spirits as the latest local party craze. And looking for a distraction on the anniversary of her mother's death, teenage Mia, played by Sophie Wilde, is determined to get a piece of the otherworldly action. When her group of friends gathers for another unruly seance with this mysterious embalmed hand that promises a direct line to the spirits, they are unprepared for the consequences of bending the rules through prolonged contact. As the boundary between worlds collapses and disturbing supernatural visions increasingly haunt Mia, she rushes to undo the horrific damage before it's irreversible. That's the official synopsis of the film. What I can say is this is a tight film. It moves at a good clip. It's dark. It's pretty biting. It gets kind of bleak at times and scary. It's also loaded with a lot of paranormal meanings and homages. So I strongly encourage you to check it out. I really liked it. And if you're just looking for some new horror, sharp horror, I would, this is, this is highly recommended. Now, I want to talk about the ending. So from here on out, we are headed into spoiler Terry. Beware, there be spoilers here. That's a pirate if he's giving you a spoiler warning. So let's talk a little bit about the paranormal aspects of Talk to Me. If you haven't watched it and you want to watch it, and you want to remain unspoilt, now is the time to leave. If you don't care, well, just continue listening on, or if you've already seen the movie and you want additional context, well, this is this is the time. We're also going to delve into the larger psychological subtext hidden in its ending. Now, the film, it really follows this Australian, a group of Australian teens who discover this new kind of high in communing with the dead. And they do that brief by briefly allowing possession of their bodies via an embalmed hand of mysterious origin that serves as a gateway. There are rules to be followed with this spirit communication. And when those rules are broken, Sophie, me or Sophie Wilde, uh, who plays the character Mia, learns the dead are not content with just a temporary pass into the realm of the living. Now, the film shifts this teen horror setting from slumber parties filled with Bloody Mary dares and Ouija boards 
to high school parties filled with booze and, well, I guess booze. And it's all documented by social media. So the film examines the lingering wound that is Mia's grief over her mother's lethal overdose and the extent to which she seeks to reconnect with her. But communicating with the dead, it seems like it really has a price. And the film ends on one of the bitterest and most harrowing visions of the afterlife put to screen in recent memory. But it also raises a lot of questions about Mia's final fate. There's a lot of what I like about it is it does pay homage to cinematic tropes as well as real world rituals. So first up, let's talk about some of those rules, the handy rules of Talk to Me. So the rules for getting a rush from a ghost in this movie include lighting a candle, grasping this embalmed hand, which is adorned with writing, and stating the invocations of talk to me, followed by I let you in. So ringleader Haley, played by the actor Zoe Tarakis, Tarakis, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing her uh, their name, explains that this possession session can only last for 90 seconds. Then the candle must be blown out and the hand is released. If it goes beyond that time, the spirits will attempt to reside in the host's body as young Riley discovers. These rules echo what uh, Bob Merch, the Ouija board historian, has dubbed Ouija-sticians, which is associated with talking boards, which boards, uh, Ouija boards. So similar to Talk to Me's hand, physical interaction with a Ouija board involves a planchette. And that's remained, really, that's that's remained popular for centuries, the, the notion of the Ouija board. When attempting to communicate with a spirit, a board user invites a spirit forward, but it is recommended to say, quote, goodbye before removing one's hands. Otherwise, the link to the other side remains open, according to superstition. This is what happens with Riley. When this violent spirit enters his body and goes super gnarly, begins smashing his head against that table, the 90-second time limit is not only exceeded, but amidst all this chaos, the candle is not blown out, which means the link between worlds is not severed. Similarly, the use of the candle in this conjuring ritual with the hand evokes urban myths like that of Bloody Mary. The precise rules of the Bloody Mary legend vary insofar as how many times to chant Bloody Mary in front of a mirror, but also what exactly to say to to conjure Bloody Mary, that varies. And even which character or entity might appear in the looking glass, what what is Bloody Mary, that, that varies as well. But the use of the candle itself is pretty consistently present in this legend. Additionally, Talk to Me emphasizes that a spirit has to be invited in, which is something that Catholic exorcists tend to believe is likewise necessary for demonic possession. So again, there's variations as to what an invitation might entail according to those exorcists, but living a life of sin or using tarot cards or other uh, dabbling with the occult, for example, that, that according to that faith, that's a good way to invite in evil spirits. But the oppressed person typically opens the door to evil somehow. So the other thing that talked to me is 
interesting or what, what strikes me as interesting about talk to me is this nihilistic take on the afterlife it basically eschews all these well-tread tropes of ghosts in a christian-esque heaven and hell as well as with a lot of hollywood movies uh recent ghost movies there's a bait and switch formula that starts with a haunting before shifting to a demon you know, we think it's going to be like the Conjuring movie itself. It's like, we think it's going to be ghosts. It's like, no, it's a demon. In fact, the one devoutly religious character, Daniel, in this movie is actually shown as being exceptionally vulnerable to the powers of these spirits, even when he's playing by the rules. And he is never shown calling upon his faith for protection. So talk to me really is like everything you know about heaven and hell and the classic idea of demons, just like throw that out the window because that is not this movie. So instead of this paradise for a pious or damnation for the wicked, the film suggests that when humans shuffle off their mortal coil, they're all doomed. We are all doomed to the same infinite limbo of torment. There's a black, empty abyss without sight or reason. The afterlife really sucks big time and talk to me and it wreaks havoc uh, on on one spectral complexion basically based on the boils and blotchy skin most of the ghosts have it doesn't doesn't do wonders for their skin to be dead perhaps unsurprisingly all these ghosts and talk to me seem really pissed off and they want to do whatever they can to return the land of the living hence the need for the 90 second rule lest they stick around but even within that limited time frame the spirits who possess the living seem to really enjoy the physical realm. They're singing, they're licking their lips, and uh, they also act really horny. So let's talk about this 90-second cutoff, because how effective is it really? At the beginning of the movie, the character Cole has is looking for his brother, Duckett. And when he finds him, Duckett stabs Cole before jamming a knife or screwdriver or whatever into his own brain, taking his own life. And the character Cole says to Mia that the spirits will eventually tire within the body of the living and will be expelled. However, that really contradicts with what actually occurred to Cole's brother, Duckett, and what appears to be taking place with Riley. Both boys... Under the possession of the spirits, inflict violence upon themselves and demonstrate a pretty healthy amount of strength while doing so. Plus, the ghosts of Mia's mother, Rhea, played by Alexandria Stephenson, and then the old woman ghost, appear to only become stronger, able to physically interact with the earthly realm and by invading dreams, even outside of the talk to me invocation and ritual and and they don't need a host body at, at a certain point so they're haunting Mia who wasn't even the person who was possessed for more than 90 seconds so the rules of this film might be less defined than the characters of the movie think and I actually think that that plays into the strengths of the film the paranormal is by definition not currently explained by science. And the supernatural exists beyond the laws of science itself. So the unknown is truly unknown, regardless of what rules humans try to apply to it. 
So considering the characters of this film don't even really know the origin of the hand, they say maybe it once belonged to a powerful medium, but they don't really know. It's reasonable to think that the rules themselves have morphed over time, like legends and lore tend to do. Plus, the teenagers, they're getting buzzed, they're getting baked while playing with this hand for a cheap high. And they're not really considering much the forces at work. And they only really have a a kind of a basic regard for these ritualistic guardrails that they think they do know. So there's a lot of unknowns here. And that, that makes me wonder, what do the dead of Talk To Me really want anyhow? Because these characters, they believe these spirits wish to exist within the land of the living. And they believe they can maintain control of their host if contact with the hand and the candle remains lit beyond the 90 seconds. So this idea that the dead want what the living have, that's not really new to fiction. That's not really new to paranormal theory. But do these ghosts really want to remain in their living host? If so, why would they so violently injure Riley and murder Duckett? as opposed to staying in their bodies and frankly just keeping things on the down low. Further, when Mia experiences that reverse possession with the spectral, the little spectral girl in the hospital, she sees Riley's soul restrained and tortured, seemingly devoured by this whole host of ghosts. So rather than wanting another ride on this mortal merry-go-round, it seems like the dead in Talk to Me also get this initial high off of possessing the living at the same time that the living are experiencing a buzz from the possession. But it seems like the real payoff is a chance, well, you know, to quote Evil Dead 2, is a chance for these ghosts to swallow your soul. You remember that scene from Evil Dead, I hope. Swallow your soul! Swallow your soul! Anyway, I digress. There must have been something especially tasty about Riley and Duckett's soul then. Because when Mia is initially possessed, the spirits immediately take an interest in Riley. Maybe it's because he's younger and more innocent than the rest of the teenagers. If so, this kind of speaks to the tradition of the virgin sacrifice and that perversion of purity. Sort of like that pure soul is, is extra tasty. By keeping Riley's body weak, the inhabiting spirits can feed on him with the final feast occurring upon his death. After all, while Mia thinks the way to save Riley is by closing the gateway, it's the ghosts that continue to encourage her just to kill the kid. That includes the ghost of her mother, Rhea, who may or may not be as reliable as her daughter wants her to believe. So... There's this recurring trope in paranormal pop culture that the dead cannot lie. But demons, of course, demons lie. They're lying liar pants with their pants on fire. And they will constantly manipulate and deceive. But even the ghost of a bad person is compelled to tell the truth, according to some tropes we've seen in films. But Talk to Me kind of plays with this audience expectation. At one point, the spirit inhabiting Daniel seems to speak truth to the character Jade, played by Alexandra Jensen. And it tell that, that spirit tells Jade 
that the boy, Daniel, is revolted by her touch. And then when Rhea possesses Riley, she tells Mia how proud she is of her daughter and expresses regret over the way she died. Both of these moments feel sincere, feel truthful, but are they? Are they? Because Rhea, when in ghostly free form, tells her daughter that um, me, that Mia's dad, Max, is lying about her suicide and the note she left behind. Rhea is also the one who tries to convince Mia to kill Riley because she says that's the only way the boy's soul can be freed. Plus, the other spirits inhabiting Riley appear to taunt both Jade and Mia, nearly daring them to kill the boy. So instead of truth-tellers, the ghosts in the film manipulate through lies. And it's strongly suggested that Rhea is even lying to her own daughter, to Mia, about her death in an effort to turn her daughter against her father. Then there's another spirit that's posing as Max that attacks Mia, which leads to her inadvertently stabbing her real father in the neck with a pair of scissors. Basically, the, the spirits are doing anything to really rack up on the whole soul collecting. And perhaps aside from the hospital girl ghost, who is really the only confirmed spirit that doesn't appear as this rotted corpse, there's no benevolent haunts in this world. Although the film avoids establishing any notion of heaven or hell, there is effectively no distinction between these ghosts and the classic depiction of demons. All right, so let's let's wrap it up. Let's get to the end here because in the beginning of the film, Mia is honoring the second anniversary of Rhea's death. And it's implied that she has become withdrawn from her father, Max. Meanwhile... Jade's mother, Sue, played by the great Miranda Otto, suspects Mia of drug use. Now, Mia says she only tried pot that one time, but it could be surmised that this suspicion of Mia is connected to her mom, Rhea, and her own death and potential substance abuse or depression. Additionally, earlier in the film, Mia references a nightmare about looking into a mirror and not seeing her own reflection. So even before she communes with the dead, Mia is essentially haunted by the death and legacy of her mother, and she is moving through her own home like a ghost. She does find a life of sorts with Jade's family, but that life is shattered once the specter of her mother returns. So ultimately, at the end of the film, Mia is about to sacrifice Riley, to set him free from these tormenting spirits. And she's going to do so by pushing his wheelchair into careening traffic. It's an ambiguous shot. And the audience witnesses Mia crashing into the oncoming cars and dying on the pavement. It's still, it remains unclear to me anyhow, if Jade pushed Mia or the girl took her life as an offering to the spirits in exchange for Riley. Or maybe there's another reading of this that maybe she just couldn't live with the feeling that her mother's spirit was guiding her hands towards murder. After waking from her own shattered body, Mia immediately pursues Jade, Sue, and the healed Riley, and then even sees her own father, Max, running through the hospital before she confronts a mirror, and guess what? She does not see her reflection, that nightmare that was foreshadowed earlier. And in the final moments of the film, Mia is surrounded by darkness. 
before walking towards a pinprick of light in the distance. And the cruel joke here is instead of going into the light to meet a happy afterlife, as she's approached, it's confirmed she is herself now a ghost connecting with this new group of young people who have the embalmed hand asking her to talk to me. In a biting way, this ending speaks to the specters of depression and suicide and how they continue to haunt families with the potential to turn the living into ghosts. And in a way, you could view it as Mia becoming fearing, becoming like her mother, and therefore distanced herself from her father. And and yet, in order to fit in with peers, she begins partaking in this different kind of supernatural vice, which is possessions. Uh, there's a lot of similarities in what is alluded to in this cycle of either depression or addiction that occurred with Mia's mother, Rhea, and what's happening to the girl herself. It's almost as if this was a path Mia was destined to follow. So I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you think about the film Talk to Me, and did I totally misread the interpretation and misinterpret this and misread the ending of the film? Let me know. But uh, I want to hear from you. I also want to hear your stories about hauntings, maybe strange encounters in the woods or unusual lights in the sky, or maybe encounters with bizarre humans that just didn't feel right, made your, your skin crawl. Tell me all about it. Send it in, talkingstrange at denofgeek.com. Plus, send me guest suggestions, ask questions about me, about the show. Talkingstrange at denofgeek.com. And come join the fun on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Aaron Sagers for movie watches, trivia, live streams, cocktail recipes, and more. Plus, you can pick up cool spooky nerd merch at the spookynerdshop.com. Spookynerdshop.com. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this has been Small Talk, a mini-episode of Talking Strange. Until next time, be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird. Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please, subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and youtube.com slash denofgeekus. And please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content. Mm-hmm.